Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Poking Around Drug Trends Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Place. And in this episode, I'm going to have a sit-down interview with Wisconsin DRE coordinator, Steve Kreitchi. So we're going to talk to Steve about his experiences in impaired driving and as a drug recognition expert. We're going to talk about his goals and directions for the Wisconsin DRE program. We're going to talk about also what he looks for in drug recognition experts, and if you have aspirations to be a DRE, what you need to do to prepare to become one, plus other drug trend topics that affect the impaired driving community and DREs everywhere. So Steve and I are going to sit down and we're going to talk about that. As always, please check us out at route961training.com. Send us emails with questions or concerns you have about the podcast. We would love to hear from you. Send us an email at pokingaroundpodcast at gmail.com. So without further ado, I sat down in late April with Steve Kreitchi at the Milwaukee PD Academy during spring 2022 field certifications. So here is my interview with Steve Kreitchi. So here I am with Steve Kreitchi. Steve is a 20 or was a 25-year veteran of the Milwaukee Police Department, just retired. He was a DRE. In fact, him and I went to the same DRE Academy in 2004. So I've known Steve for a long time. I consider him a friend and colleague. He, man, how many evaluate? You've done a ton of evaluations. You've taught her all around the country. Um, been the DRE State Coordinator, I think, for the last five years. Plus, you've been the Wisconsin State DRE of the Year, and then you won the National DRE of the Year. So Steve is very accomplished, and we're happy to have him here today. So Steve, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you got into impaired driving? So when I got out of the police academy, just like any other officer, I really didn't have any direction as to what I wanted to do for uh, my career. However, I knew that I wanted to be a motorcycle officer and work traffic. So I focused on that and luckily I got sent to uh, one of the districts which was downtown where all the bars are and so after three o'clock in the morning everything kind of shuts down. So there's plenty of opportunities being the bar district to do traffic and OWI enforcement became a huge part of that. And based on all the OWIs and the focus on impaired driving in the district that I worked at, I started to take a liking to the DRE program. Somebody, a friend of mine that I worked with, introduced me to that. And I looked into it and I thought, yeah, well, this is the next logical step. I enjoy taking impaired drivers off the road and doing it with drug impaired drivers other than alcohol just seemed like the next step for me. So, Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Drug Recognition Expert Program. Describe the training that an officer has to go through and what steps do they have to go through to become a DRE and stay a DRE? So there's minimum requirements. Uh, if the officer meets those minimum requirements, then they're accepted into the program after a review by the Oversight Committee. To attend the training, there are there's a two-day preschool and then there is a seven-day school which is what we call phase one of the training. It's classroom training. So two days of a preschool and then a seven-day school makes up phase one, all classroom activities where they learn about human physiology, they learn about the seven drug categories, they learn about the DRE process, the 12 steps that we do during an evaluation. After successfully completing the classroom portion, which will have a written exam at the end of the preschool and a written exam at the end of the seven-day school. 
During the seven-day school, there's five quizzes that are given and various classroom activities. After they complete that successfully, then they enter phase two of the training, which is the DRE field certification phase, where a candidate will have to do or conduct 12 of our 12-step DRE drug influence evaluations on people who have actually consumed drugs to the point of intoxication or impairment on those drugs. They have to be the evaluator on six of those 12, and they have to evaluate a minimum of three out of the seven drug categories. And that usually takes about 10 days to complete. The actual field certifications where we're doing evals, probably eight days. We have one day with a final knowledge exam. So after they've completed a minimum of six evaluations, they are then eligible to take the final knowledge exam where there's a series of questions and essays, and it usually takes anywhere between about six to eight hours to complete that exam. And then after the field certification phase is over, we enter what we call transition from training to certification where they learn about what the requirements are for recertification, what the Wisconsin standards are, what the international standards are, and how to maintain that certification. Thanks, because we have a, quite a few listeners that aren't all law enforcement, and we, you know, I get that question a lot. You know, what goes into becoming a DRE, you know, all, just all the, the, the requirements and keeping it up, and it is a pretty extensive course, and, and I think it's good that people understand all the work that goes into it. But drug recognition experts pretty focused on traffic, but I think you and I both agree that, and we've met officers too, that have gone through this course and have used their training in other aspects of law enforcement. So what are the advantages of this type of training outside of traffic safety? What are some, have you, you know, stories that you've heard or things that maybe you've done personally where you have used your training or people who have gone through here use their drug recognition expert training in other parts of law enforcement? Sure. So... As a DRE, you have an, a skill set and knowledge that most people in law enforcement do not have. And it's not just focused on training. While that is the primary reason why we train, the skills and knowledge that you have can be used in so many aspects. For instance, we have a program where we can go into the schools and if there's a student in a school who's chemically impaired a drug recognition expert can come in and opine what category of drugs may be impairing that student which then helps the educators and the administrators of the school with any kind of disciplinary action or anything like that. So in other words, it's not just one person's word that, you know, the teacher doesn't like little Johnny. Now we have an outside, unrelated entity coming in, doing a 12-step evaluation as if this kid would have been driving, they would have been impaired enough to be arrested for an OWI offense, and therefore we can't have that student in class disrupting the, the other student's learning process. And that's just one area. So there, we have other things like any crime where being under the influence or impaired would be an element of that offense, such as, you know, the recklessly endangering safety or endangering safety by use of a dangerous weapon. There's sexual assaults. Uh, 
we've even used our DREs have even used their skills to support and back up claims of sexual assault by females who say that they've been raped. Well, we come in and we do an evaluation and sure enough, we find impairment that's consistent with the drugs that they thought that maybe they were you know, dosed up with or something. So we can support the claims of victims even, even if there's no enforcement action going on. So any crime where there's that element. And the other thing too is with that knowledge, it goes far beyond law enforcement too, because it's, you know, it's no different than being in the medical field. I mean, the doctors and nurses work within a hospital to take care of patients, but those skills and knowledge that they have can be used outside of a hospital setting just like the skills that we have. So we can identify people who are under the influence, even if we're off duty or not in an enforcement capacity. You know, one of the, one of my favorite stories, one uh, was an officer from your department came through here too. And you, I mean, you met and you nailed it. I mean, there's so many things and people sometimes focus on DRE just in the traffic, but you, as you, as you explained, you can take it and just run with it and do a whole lot of other things. Like one Milwaukee officer said he likes to take guns off the street because the gangbangers are all, you know, a lot of them are high on dope and carrying guns. And if he can prove that they're impaired, then he can take their gun with them too. So a lot of different things you could do with this. Um, now, I know as state coordinator, you get a lot of questions uh, from officers, from, from potential candidates. What can I do to prepare to, to go through DRE school? Or maybe questions from administrators or supervisors. What type of officer are you looking for that would be the best candidate to be a DRE? So what are your thoughts? What can officers do to prepare? And what type of officer is going to make the best DRE candidate? So the best DRE candidate is going to be somebody who has a passion for traffic enforcement and with a focus on impaired driving enforcement. If you are an officer who enjoys removing drive, impaired drivers from the road and protecting the community by doing so, then that's the motivation. That's the first and foremost, you have to be motivated to want to do this. Secondly, you have to be proficient at issuing the NHTSA three-test battery of horizontal gaze, nystagmus, walk and turn, and one-leg stand because that is the crux of all impaired driving cases. And it's also the crux of our program. Everything we do is built around that three-test battery that we do. So you want to be proficient at that. So if you have a desire to remove impaired drivers from the road, you're going to want to make sure that you're proficient at your field sobriety tests, and you're going to want to make sure that you have the motivation and desire to go the extra step to becoming a DRE because it's not easy. There's a lot of outside classroom work that needs to be done, studying and that kind of stuff. So it's not a course where you can just sit in the classroom, listen to the instructor, and then go out for drinks afterwards and have a good time and come back the next day. You're going to have to put in some work, some studying and memorization, because there's a lot of information in a very short amount of time. And if that sounds like you, then by all means, get a hold of me and we'll get you through. All right. You, uh, you've been a state coordinator for how many years? Since 2017. All right. Since 2017, my hat's off to you. I know that there's been a lot of good things that have happened with the DEC program here in the state of Wisconsin. But what are, what are some of your biggest, most accomplishments that you're most proud of? And where do you want to take 
now that you're the leader of our program, where do you want to take the Wisconsin DRE program and coming forward here in the next few years? So some of the things that I'm most proud of is finally getting our D our instructors paid appropriately for the job that they do. In order to grow and expand the DRE program, we need instructors out there teaching the various classes, like the eight-hour drugs that impair driving course, the advanced roadside impaired driving course, the drug impairment for the educational professional. If we don't have instructors out there teaching the class and promoting the class that way, well, then nobody hears about it, and it just fizzles and dies. So we need to promote the program. And in order to do so, we need to incentivize the instructors to want to go out there and teach. So I'm very proud of the fact that we've been able to get a pay structure for those instructors that motivates them to want to go out and teach the classes. And then secondly, I think the other thing that I'm most proud of is finally getting what we call a DRE equipment replacement program. In the past, we buy all the equipment for the students up front when they first start the course. Then they're on their own and their agency has to reimburse or buy if their blood pressure cuff breaks or if they lose their thermometer or any of the equipment that they have. Uh, the agencies in the past have had to pay for a preliminary breath testing device, which is $450 a piece. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we were able to get the PBTs issued to the candidates and be able to have a replacement program so when their equipment breaks, it's not their agency that has to pay for it. We will actually support them throughout their career as a DRE. Now, um, there's been a lot of changes here with a lot more, maybe the, the focus on drug-impaired driving, more drug-impaired driving arrests, um, and then, of course, the marijuana legalization right around the corner here. It's a hot-button topic. Um, other states around us, Steve, uh, was, uh, Michigan, Illinois, they legalized marijuana. What, what do you think law enforcement can do to take on this challenge as it continues here and we see it grow? What, what can law enforcement do better to... Um, handle marijuana legalization? So like anything, if you're going to legalize it, there's going to be some positives and negatives surrounding anything. So what's going to happen is if, if we do legalize marijuana in Wisconsin, we're going to have more people using marijuana. Law enforcement traditionally has never really cared about you know, whether it's going to be something that's political or whether they believe it themselves or not, they leave their personal thoughts and feelings aside. But we have to understand that anytime you legalize something, it's going to filter down into the driving population. So just like when, you know, during Prohibition, when people were not drinking alcohol as much, they weren't driving under the influence of it either. And once it became legal again, well, we got more people drinking and more people driving. And the same thing with marijuana. We need to be prepared for that wave of increased impaired drivers on marijuana on the highways at that point. What do you see as a challenge, the, like the biggest challenge for the DRE program in Wisconsin, or maybe even nationally? Where do you, what do you think the biggest challenge is, and what are your thoughts and suggestions on how we can do better? Well, I think our biggest challenge is going to be ourselves. What happens is, depending on where you work or what city you're in, there's always an increased demand on the police to do more, 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 and more. 
And when that happens, we have less time to do other things. And the priorities then start being restructured in a way where we forget that we are out there to not only serve the community, but to protect the community. I mean, it's kind of a cliche thing. Everybody joined the police department to protect and serve. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I love serving my community, but there's no better feeling than to know that you protected someone. And the way that we protect people is by removing these unsafe drivers from the road before they crash, injure, or kill anybody. So I think one of our challenges is going to be especially, I mean, even if, even if marijuana is not legalized, the challenge is always going to be to protect people. And how do we do that? How do we have that balance with an increased number of calls for service and then community focus on police bashing and what we do or don't do? And, you know, how do we overcome some of those challenges? I'm, you know, time will tell. It's always kind of been like a pendulum. We swing to the right, we swing to the left, we're back in the middle sometimes. It, everything tends to balance out, but we just can't forget that protecting the community is just as important as serving the community. Last question, Steve. Um, oh, here. What about the future of the DRE program here in Wisconsin? Where do you see that going here, here in Wisconsin? Well, one of my goals in the future is to have this entire program fully funded. And what I mean by that is it's very difficult to get DREs to come to training when their agencies cannot afford to send them. And while our Highway Safety Office, Bureau of Transportation Safety, while our Highway Safety Office provides funds to put people through the training. It only covers the DRE equipment, it covers their time here, it covers the lodging. But many agencies have different types of contractual agencies with their employees. Some have to pay drive time, some have to pay mileage, some have to pay meals. There's a variety of different things that agencies have to pay for. One of the biggest ones is the backfill for an officer while they're gone. Somebody has to work the street while that other officer is at training, and that requires overtime to do that. Well, if an agency is looking at expenditures that they can't afford, they're not going to send somebody, even though they're, they have somebody who's motivated, qualified, and wants to do a DRE, unfortunately. So what I would like to do is I want to have this program fully funded so that any of those contractual agency that an agency would face would be reimbursable. And we would come up with a system to be able to do that, track it, and then any costs involved, then we could reimburse them for that. So in other words, if the program is fully funded and free and they can get reimbursed for any costs that they incur, they're going to be more willing and able to send people to the DRE school, especially in the areas of the state that are so underserved. We have such a need for DREs, especially like in the northwestern part of the state, but they just can't afford to send them to the DRE school. So that's one thing that I want to do in the future. Do you have any updates? I know earlier in the year on the podcast we talked about the here in Wisconsin, the state legislature put in some funding in, a, in one of the bills. I forget which one it was, if it was the annual spending bill or if it was a special line item. Do you have any updates on that and uh, how that funding is going? I don't at this time. I know the governor just recently signed some bill. I don't I haven't had a chance to really review it yet because we're in 
right in the throes of the DRE school right now, although I've heard that the governor signed a bill for increased funding for law enforcement. I'm not sure how or where that's going to be allocated. But obviously, one of the things that I do is I look for areas and partners that can join us and helping with those costs and funding. For many years, we worked with the Department of Health Services, DHS. They funded some things. I've worked with AAA before. They're limited as to what they can give us. If we could work with the state of Wisconsin to get additional funds for our program, that would just be one more step closer to fully funding it. Last question, Steve. You had a pretty long, you had a pretty good career, won some awards along the way, had a distinguished career. What are some of your, if you have a favorite moment or favorite moments, favorite things that you look back at that you're most proud of uh, at your career, during your career at the Milwaukee Police Department? The one thing that I am most proud of is that I got to spend 21 years riding the motorcycle. And, you know, I joined the Milwaukee Police Department so that I could be a motorcycle cop. You know, ever since watching Chips as a kid, I just, I, I just wanted to be a motorcycle cop. And what better place to do it than the city that builds the bikes? So I got to ride a Harley-Davidson in the city that builds them for 21 years out of my 25-year career. That's what just, I absolutely, that's my, that's my take. Sounds good, Steve. Hey, thanks for joining us today here, Steve. I know you got a busy day getting field certifications going. We do appreciate the time that you took today to talk to us here on the Poking Around Drug Trends podcast. We'll have you back again sometime. Thank you very much, Nick. I appreciate it. That again was Steve Kreitchi, the Wisconsin State DRE and SFST coordinator. Again, we'd like to thank Steve for taking the time to visit us on the Poking Around Drug Trends podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to us here at the Poking Around Drug Trends podcast. If you have suggestions for other guests or topics, please email us at pokingaroundpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit us at route961training.com. Thanks again for listening, folks. My name is Nick Place, and I'm the host of the Poking Around Drug Trends podcast. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 